Cross Point. It's so humbling and good to be here with you this morning to worship, to um, spend time in God's Word together. Um, as Joel had said, I come from Vermilion. Um, that's not where I grew up. I actually grew up just uh, about 20 miles from here um, in the Hills Beaver Creek area. And um, I went to USD, got my um, health services administration degree. And um, within my time of being there, God saved me and put a calling on my life to do ministry. So since then, I've been um, serving with Grace Baptist Church in Vermilion um, with Equip Campus Ministries. And um, we see ourselves as part of the local church serving on the campus. Um, but this morning is not about me. This morning is about our good and gracious and holy God. And um, why don't we... Go to him in prayer this morning and ask him for help before we dig into the truth of his word. Lord God, just please, Father, may we hear from you through the help of your Holy Spirit, the helper that you give us to know you, to come to you, all through the blood of Jesus. We need you. We cannot do this on our own. Lord, I pray just for focus upon your word, for our self-control, that we would forget ourselves and, and look to you, that the other worries of this world would fade away for this time of worship, just to grasp and see you, Father. We're so needy for you that you would but help us, Lord, that we may love and obey you and love you now with our hearts and with our minds as we look to you. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe these things. Amen. So this morning, kind of the, the main text, the meat and potatoes we're going to be in is um, John 14. And, um, but before we get there, I'll have us just kind of look at um, one verse out of John 17. Um, so if you want to flip your Bibles to John chapter 17, um, that'd be great. But as believers, we have a desire to go to heaven. And um, right now, there's this terrible ideology going around that's called pluralism that basically is kind of this idea that all roads lead to Rome. Like all roads lead to heaven regardless of what you believe in, you'll get to heaven. Whether that be Buddha, whether that be within good works, just being a good person. There, there is this terrible Terrible thing going around, pluralism, with this idea of still getting into heaven regardless of anything else. So the idea of pluralism is not only dangerous, but it's also leading people to eternal damnation because it's giving them this false sense of justification before God. So as Christians, we desire eternal life in heaven. And because we desire heaven, we want to escape hell. And we're not just Christians for this life, but we're Christians because we anticipate the promises that God has given to those who believe in his son, Jesus, and come to him for salvation. The promises that are laid up in heaven for us. So all of us are going to live forever, forever either in hell or in heaven. And our desire, though, is to live in heaven. That's our desire. That's our hope. That's our longing. That's the promise of God for us. 
to spend forever in a place of peace and joy rather than in a place of punishment and sorrow. And this promise is only for those who have repented and believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would say that when when most people think of heaven, they think of a place um, where certain activities take place, which heaven is that place. It's a place where there will be worship and praise of God, adoration of him, um, a place where we still serve him, where there's no more suffering or pain or tears anymore for all the former things will pass away, as Revelation says. But if we think that heaven is just a place we miss the main point. Because heaven is a relationship with God that is perfectly fulfilled. So think of heaven as being in the full presence of God the Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit. And and this is where John 17, verse 3, shows us that. And I'll I'll read that. Um, It says, John 17, verse Verse 3, it says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So I think it's pretty clear if we look at John 17, verse 3, what eternal life is. Eternal life is knowing God, a fulfilled relationship with him. Knowing God, um, the best way that I, up to this point, have had it explained to me and and understand it came from um, Sinclair Ferguson. Um, and if any of you know him, you just hear a thick Scottish accent as he's teaching on um, knowing God through, through the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and it's kind of like this. Um, so when uh, a man and a woman are about to get married, the man is thinking, there has never been an- another man who's loved a woman like I have. His love is just so deep, and he just desires her with, with all his heart, right? And and the woman is thinking the same thing about him. There's never been a woman that loves a man more than I love this man that I'm about to marry. And they come together and are married, um, and they're, they're both sinful. It's not perfect. Um, but then 10 years down the road, after through definitely some trials and tribulations, the, the husband can look back on when they got married and would say, I didn't love her. I didn't love her the way I do now. And she'd be able to say the same thing. I don't love my husband the way I love him now. And that's because they got to know each other deeper and better than they did before, right? And then then you go forward another 10 years. So now you're looking at 20 years from the time they got married, and they'd look back at the the past 10 years and say, what was I thinking then? I I didn't love her then. And he did, right? He did, but now he, there's this deeper knowing of the other person, this, this knowledge about them. You know how they're feeling, how they think, what they're about. It's deeper and, and this deeper of knowing. So this knowing of God is, is loving God deeply. And because you love him deeply, your knowledge of him will increase. And the knowledge of him increases in time in his word, time praying before him. And a deeper love and awe of him will flow and come from this. And, and the difference between the, the reality of how we see um, marriage around us in America and, in, 
in other places of the world as we see divorce is so rampant, right? Like it kind of is where um, it's just rampant. But this marriage relationship with God, this deep knowing of God, coming to him through salvation in Jesus, there can be no divorce. If it is true salvation, there is no leaving of this knowing of him. There may be times of, of walking within some sin, but there, there, cannot, there will not be a divorce of that from him. And what's even greater than um, this deep knowing of God and seeing him is um, actually something else. And this comes from J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, um, which I highly recommend reading. But um, even greater than this knowing of God that we can have, this eternal life, as, as John 17 shows us. Um, and I'm just going to just read um, two paragraphs from this, so, so follow along um, with me. So, What matters supremely, therefore, is not just the last analysis, the fact that I know God, that we know God, but the larger fact which underlies it is the fact that he knows me. I am graven on the palms of his hand. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention distracted from me. And no moment, therefore, when his care falters. How, how good is that? But, but just a little more. So this momentous knowledge, there is unspeakable comfort there. The sort of comfort that energizes but should not make us nervous. And knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love and watching over me for my good. There's tremendous relief in knowing that his love for me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst things about me, so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me in the way I am so often disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me. There is so much more goodness that, that knowing God isn't even about us. It's about him and his glory and his amazing love. And, and this God that I'm talking about is a God who we would call is Ase. And Ase means that he's all-sustaining in and of himself. So, so even when he showed his form in Moses at, in the burning bush, he didn't even consume the bush because he was all-sustaining within himself. And, and even on a larger scale, think of this. He knows the height of every mountain on this earth, on Mars, on every planet, of every galaxy, of every universe, all at one time. He knows exactly how many stars, how many planets there are, and he holds them all within his mighty and glorious hands. He, he knows the depth of the ocean, how many gallons are within it. He knows how many animals and insects and humans there are. And, and to keep getting smaller, he knows all of his children who he has called. He feels love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, wrath, jealousy, and anger, all at one time perfectly and holy and is never overwhelmed by any of these things. He knows how many hairs are on my head, all of our heads, all people's heads, all over the world that ever there was. He sees osmosis and meiosis of cells all at one time 
and every single atom. And this is the glorious God that I'm talking about, that we get to look at and praise and glorify for eternity. We can know this God. But right now, on this earth, what we lack is the body to have the perfectly fulfilled relationship that we will have with God in heaven. We'll need new bodies because these bodies we have now won't be able to function properly. Because what I mean is, really, if you think about it, from the day we're born, we've been dying. It just depends on when the death will be. So, right? So, so life is kind of this push towards death. It's just a constant movement towards leaving this world. So these are bodies that die, and along the way, they're troubled and sick and injured and wounded and disabled, and the list goes on and on, right? We struggle not only with the physical parts of our bodies when we get sick and, and wounded and stuff, but also kind of with the mental sides of us. We, we have limits on our understanding, our, our capacity, and so much of our lives is a struggle. We struggle emotionally. We struggle in terms of sin and some temptation. So we not only need a new outside, but we also need a different inside, and if we're going to be in the full presence of God forever, in perfect righteousness, joy, peace, um, we've got to swap this body for another one. And that is the promise of Scripture, that when a believer dies, there is a complete transformation. So that believer's spirit enters heaven, and one day there will be a resurrection of a new and glorified body, like the resurrection body of Christ, to join the spirit and to become that eternal being to enjoy the full, perfect presence of God. So when you think about heaven, think about a relationship with God perfectly fulfilled with the Father, perfectly fulfilled with Jesus, his Son, and perfectly fulfilled with the Holy Spirit. And the only way to have this is through Jesus Christ. And the reality is, is if this is what heaven will be, of a place of joy and peace, and just ultimate joy, just, we can't even imagine the fullness of it. Hell will be a place where there will be no savoring of this goodness, of this joy of God. I think there will be a seeing of this, but there will be no savoring of it. And what a person in hell will see will be a lack of God's grace upon them. It will be a lack of every single good thing that there is, because all good things come from God. And even in Matthew 13, verse 42, Jesus says that um, in that place, in hell, there, it will be a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this knowing God in eternal life is a big deal. Like, we're talking about eternity. An eternity of joy or an eternity of suffering. So we must not waste this life that we're given. And eternity is at stake. So, Seek to know God, come to him through Christ. And, and to know him is to, to seek him through his word and to come to him through prayer. So, now all this that I have laid before you so far is to, to say this, is that Jesus actually promised his disciples in person, but then also us, a preview of this full, lasting, joy-giving relationship. And this relationship we're given now is something we need 
if we are to love and obey God and come to knowing him. So this is um, what brings us to John 14, our, our meat and potatoes text of this morning. Um, so in John chapter 14, I'm just going to read verses um, 15 through 17. So if you could look with me, it's so important that we um, can see and hear with our own um, senses. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So did you see that in verses 16 and 17? That we're promised the Holy Spirit who will be with us as our helper. And, and really, like, we kind of have to look at why this is just so timely, even for the disciples at where they're at. And because they're, they're frightened and anxious because it's Thursday night of Passion Week. And they know that Jesus is going to die. He, he's told them. He told them he'd be arrested, he, he would be beaten, he'd be mistreated. And he'll go through a trial, he'll, he'll be crucified, he'll rise again, and then he, he's going to go to heaven, back to the Father. And they're having trouble with it, and, uh, tons of trouble, because even at the beginning of, of chapter 14 here, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. I'm going to deal with the trouble that you're feeling. That's what Jesus is doing here. So the disciples, they're frightened, they're fearful, they're anxious, they were doubting, and it, because Jesus was everything to them. He was absolutely everything to them. Everything at every level of their life came through him. He was it for them. They depended on him for absolutely everything, and now he's leaving, and they're filled with fear and anxiety and dread. And so that Thursday night, he unpacks to them these verses we read the very night in which he was betrayed later on by Judas, and then the next morning, their fake trials are held, and then by the next day, Friday, he's on the cross. So this really is the end, what he is giving to them. They know this is happening because he keeps telling them he, is, he has to, Jesus is getting his arms around them. He has to strengthen them for, for what they're about to face. He spends that evening unfolding these promises in chapter 14 begins the promises, and, and the ultimate, I think, the ultimate personal promise, and it's really a staggering one. But before we get into the promise in verse 16, there's verse 15. So um, look, at, look at verse 15 again there. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So this verse is the qualifier for the rest of this little chunk of scripture and, and really um, the rest of chapter 14 there as well. Um, it's the mark of a believer. It's the mark of a true disciple. If you love me, Jesus, if you love me, Jesus, you will keep my commandments, the things that I have laid out for you to obey. So we do them as a result of loving him. The action isn't love, but love produces the action. So, so we do the commandments because we love him, because this love produces the action within us. So, really, if there is any other motive but love for the reason that we've been trying to obey God, then is there true discipleship there? And, and if that question stings, 
It's, it's not the question that's stinging. It really, what it is, is it's the answer. When we're asked hard questions about looking at our heart, it's, it's not the question that stings. It's the answer that we give. And the reality is, is, is if, if I say that and, and, and what you think is, I haven't been loving God, then actually, that's not bad news to know that right now. That's, that's good news. That's actually something my mentor, Brandon, um, will talk about pretty regularly um, with the students. Is it's good news if you realize that you're not a disciple of Jesus. Because the good news is this, okay? The good news is that God sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, to then die a, a terrible, bloody, gruesome death on a cross with, with nails piercing his hands and feet and, and thorns pressed into his skull, bearing all the sin and the shame that our sinful selves produce, taking that upon himself and with his blood washing us clean if we repent and believe in him. And, and later, the reality within that is that Jesus then again, within his own power, rose again three days later so that he proved that death had no hold on him. That there may be this eternity of knowing God forever. And so, so if the question of do I love God, and if, if the answer is, is no, then trust in Jesus. And the rest of this passage gives hope for us and, and for you to trust. And kind of even to run more of a test within this is um, are, you, are you just trying to do the right things or, or just be good? Or maybe thinking, okay, if I do these things, I'll get rewarded for it. Or, um, or maybe just being afraid of the consequences. Or maybe even just asking the question that is regular of why would someone love God? He just hates fun. Or maybe he's never done anything good for me. And, and to the never doing anything good for me, he's done the ultimate thing of sending his one and only son to die. So, so good works, nothing but Jesus can bring this amazing, joy-filled fulfillment of relationship that is heaven. And no sin can separate us from that if we repent and, and believe this gospel of Jesus. So if you desire eternal life, there must be a love of God. And this love of God can flow so much through the work of Jesus. Because there cannot be an equal love of God and an equal love of self. There cannot be an equal love of God and an equal love of this world because the reality is, is that these other idols or, or little G gods will be the things that we serve rather than God Almighty in heaven who reigns supremely. And what this passage shows us is that a true Christian, a true disciple, is a person who loves and obeys God. 
But obedience on the outside does not necessarily mean that they, they love or, or know God. Because I, I would even say, like, generally, we try and judge people by um, their outward actions, right? Because that's, that's what we can see. But God judges the heart. So it's this um, kind of reality of it's a performance versus the reality of what it is, okay? So um, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 7 in your Bibles as well, um, just to kind of hit this a little more, this idea of loving God and obeying him is knowing him in, in eternal life. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Okay, so starting in verse 21. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So we have to look at this because this is kind of showing um, people, they call out, Lord, Lord. And, and look what they did. They prophesied in his name. They cast out demons in his name. did many mighty works in his name. But he says, I never knew you. Their hearts were not right within these things of what they're doing. It was not flowing from a place of love to the Father. So see the seriousness of, of this love of God that is the heart behind knowing him and savoring him? He did not know them, so they did not have eternal life. They did not know him, so they did not have eternal life. So the action is not love, but love produces the action within us. And now we can go back to to John 14 um, and, and look at these last two verses Because we cannot walk away and not see the hope that God has given us. I'm just going to read those two verses again just so we can hear it um, a second time. Um, In verse um, 16 there. And, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So again, just to kind of go through where we've been. So knowing God is eternal life. A deep, loving relationship with him is eternal life. And if we do not love God, then the rest of this is not true for us. And, and really what these bring is just such a hope-filled promise if we love God. And it's all because of his love for us. It's not about us. It is ultimately about him. And the disciples definitely would need this promise once Jesus left because he was everything to them. So so hear this. If you love God, you aren't left alone to obey him. You actually get the Holy Spirit who, who here is called the helper. So what Jesus says is, It's not that I'm going to give you more instructions to do. 
It's not that I'm going to give you more duties. It's not that I'm going to give you more responsibilities. I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you the helper so that you may have the internal power of this glorious God inside of you to do what has been commanded. So God is truly providing a way to love and obey. And it's so personal. He's saying, I will give you. It's personal, it's individual, it's relational, it's, it's for each one of us. It's, we, we cannot have this through our sister, our brother, our mom, or our dad. It, it's individual, person by person. He says, I will give you the helper. I will ask the Father for every, anything and everything that you would need. So this helper could be an intercessor, could be an advocate, could be a comforter, right? Could be an encourager, could be a teacher, could be somebody to warn you. Somebody called alongside, somebody with more wisdom. It's somebody with more truth, somebody with more power, somebody with more experience, somebody with more knowledge than you have. It's not, I'm not giving you somebody less than who you are. I'm giving you somebody greater. I'm giving you myself, a part of myself, but somebody infinitely more than you on all, every single level of capability. I'm giving this to you. And that's the helper to help at every level where we need help. And this helper brings a preview of this full relationship that we have talked about that will be fulfilled in heaven with us and God. And and really, I think it's amazing that the word helper is used here for us because that's exactly what we need. I don't know about you, but I lose my keys sometimes in my wallet and I forget about meetings or I was gonna call somebody If I were to have the responsibility laid upon my shoulders to obey God, there's no way I could do it. I don't know about you, but not in my own power. There's there's no way. Because my nature is to sin and, and to be selfish and to choose myself. That's my nature. Personally, I will give you the helper, the spirit of truth. And, and this helper is not for everyone. It's, it's only for those who love God, right? Because the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. So it's those who love God and and know God who inherit the Holy Spirit, this amazing helper of all power and all glory. And, And if there is no love of Jesus and no love of God, then there's no knowing God and there's no eternal life and there's no Holy Spirit helper. And, and really, this passage, I can't help but read it and, and kind of um, think of my own story. I, I grew up going to church for 20 years for as long as I can remember. And I got to USD and um, just started living in the world and being part of the world. And um, through that time, I met Brandon, who's my mentor now, and, and the Lord 
within that saved me, convicted me of the sin that I was walking within and um, the gospel and, and what I had heard for so long finally hit my heart and, and it shot me and I repented and, and believed. And um, that was on a Thursday. And the next Sunday, Pastor Steve, he read the verse, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And that just pierced through my heart so deeply. Because the piercing of that is, is showing this, like, God, I, don't, I didn't even know you. I didn't have eternal life before I loved you, right? It, it pierces through because there's just so long in life there, there was no love of God. I was just separated from eternal joy, from, from, from knowing him. And now what that verse does for those of us who love God is when we're struggling with sin or questioning a decision, we can ask ourselves and say like, Lord, I love you. You're better. Lord, I love you. I want to know you deeper. Lord, I love you. I want to know you. Let that be the cry of our hearts. And for those of you brothers and sisters who, who do love God and are trying to please him and right now are hearing this about loving God and you're thinking, oh, I, I don't love him because you keep sinning in the same sin over and over again, God's word has hope for you when the darkness of uncertainty and fear hangs over you. So uh, as, as this grace remains in you, don't let go of the one who you knew in the light. Keep holding on, if only for a while, even if it's just by your fingernails. Keep holding on and know this. His hands are on his children's fingernails day and night. So pray for deliverance. Pray to see the glory of God, to know him greater and greater, that you may forget your sin and turn from it and turn to him in repentance and belief. Because it is the only way forward into light and hope and relief. Because I can't promise that you are a child of God. But I can promise that if you throw away hope, that will prove you not to be. But God's word regularly talks about waiting on the Lord, about waiting on him. So please wait on the, for, wait on the Lord. As Psalm 40 verses 1 and 2 says, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. This is also that we may know him, for he is in you and will be with you and will give you everything that you may need. And the almighty creator, the Lord of hosts, the great God before whom the nations are as a drop in a bucket, comes to you and is speaking to you now through his word. And today my hope is that this pushes us to seek the Holy Spirit's help, even if that is just to come to the Lord. That if someone is asleep to the fact that they're not saved, to realize that, that God is actually speaking to you, to you right now, through his words. And as you listen to what God is saying, what you may find is that you're brought very, very low, seeing how sinful you are. 
about your sin and your guilt and your weakness and your blindness and your, and your folly and compels you to judge yourself hopeless and helpless. What he says is to cry out for forgiveness. Cry out for help and believe the gospel and come to realize as you listen that God is actually opening his heart to you, making friends with you and enlisting you as a colleague, as a friend. The relationship in which sinful human beings know God is one in which God takes them into his staff to be, to be a fellow worker and a personal, close, close friend. From being Satan's prisoner, you may find yourself transferred to a position of trust in the service of God. And at once, your life may be transformed. And through that, you may be able to love and obey a glorious, holy, wonderful, amazing God. Let's pray. Lord, your word is so true and good. It directs us to know you, Father, that we may but just know you and, and even get a glimpse of your hindquarters as Moses did. And, and when he saw you, Lord, he, he was glowing because of your glory, because of your greatness. Lord, your love is amazing. Everything Every part of you, Lord, is glorious. So just show your face to us that we may know you, the one true God and Jesus whom you have sent. That we may wait patiently for you and and seek to listen to you through your Holy Spirit, Lord. So God, I ask for just the filling of your helper to come to you, to praise you, to glorify you, to, to love and obey you, Lord. We need that. We need to love and obey you because it is for our ultimate good. I pray, Lord, just for ultimate understanding of your word through your Holy Spirit now, that we may walk with you in a loving, fulfilled relationship one day in heaven, but now have that taste of the Holy Spirit to love and obey you even now, Lord. Do it within us, Father. We pray and ask all these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen.